Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As a content warning, we'll be answering a listener letter that contains discussion of sexual abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, June 22nd, the To Tell or Not To Tell edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another show. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I am dad to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit, Michigan. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's six. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Today on the show, we have a serious but important question. Our letter writer experienced sexual abuse as a child. Now her daughter is the same age she was when the abuse started, and it's been hard to handle. She's wondering if she should tell her kids why she's been struggling. We're also going to touch base on our week in parenting, and if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we'll be discussing the New York Times dad canon. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. Zach, did you feel like you were looking at a... Uh... You know, make your Amazon mirror. wish list right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. This this piece really had my number in a, lo- in, in a lot of ways, not in all ways. I really like the, the idea of the dad canon and thinking about how the millennial dad canon is different from our parents' dad canon. And, and when we we're talking about dad canon here, like the, the author talks about like the riding lawnmower, the dad, um, you know, wielding his grill tongs, patting around the deck in his tapioca colored apron, the dad that's like really good at fixing things. These are that's kind of like dad canon from another era in some ways. And so what he was trying to identify are the things now. As a Slate Plus member, you'll get a whole bonus segment every week and all your favorite Slate podcasts ad free. It's truly the best way to listen and the best way to support the show. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash momanddadplus. All right, we're going to jump into triumphs and fails as soon as we get back from this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Zach, tell us, what have you been up to this week? It has been a travel week, a travel week to remember. Um, 
we're in Tel Aviv now. My wife, Shira, and our two kids and I for a summer vacation. My wife's family is from here. I have family here. We have friends here. And uh, we arrived here on Sunday after an epic 24-hour uh, day of travel. So we found a really good rate out of Chicago. And so we drove to Chicago, which is about four and a half hours on the way to Chicago in our family van. Ami, who is prone to some motion sickness, he threw up not once, not twice, but three times. So we stopped at like two gas stations and gave him a gas station bath. And then we ended up at uh, Shira's aunt's house in Chicago and, and gave him a shower there. Um, and I was really worried that he was sick, but I think it was just motion sickness. So off to a great start there. Um, and then we, we, we boarded our plane in Chicago. It was, it was 9 PM after having left Detroit at like 9 AM earlier that day and embarked on a 12 hour flight. And, um, we survived. We made it. We slept. It was direct. For, it was direct. Yeah, that's why we we, we found a good rate. Um, yeah. Direct to Tel Aviv from Chicago. So so we we jumped on it and um, yeah, Ami did throw up once, but I did catch it, which um, <laughs> was a, a good moment because changing throw up clothes on an airplane sucks. Um, we've been there, and the kids watched a lot of movies, slept a little bit. And uh, yeah, we, we, we got here, left Chicago at 9 p.m. on a Saturday, arrived in Tel Aviv at 5 p.m. on Sunday. And uh, what day is it now? It's Tuesday now. The last few nights have been rough. Like the kids went to sleep at like 9 or 10 p.m. But then Noah, two nights in a row, was up at 2 a.m. just ready for the day. Yeah. Um, which is just, it's just, it sucks. But um, we've made it through. She's done two nights. And I think, I mean, I'm hoping that tonight we will uh, get a full night's sleep. But it's been dreamy. We were at the beach today. This is the, on the Mediterranean. Um, and we we're having a great day. And we we're building sandcastles, just the four of us. And we walk over to our beach chair. And there's these group of, like, I don't know, like eight, young kids eight eight boys they're probably like 16 years old or so and shira says to ami like hey do you want you want a snack baby and then we hear one of these kids in this group of 16 year old boys like oh you want a snack baby like just mocking us <laughs> and i turned around and i was just like who's fucking with my family um and like some primal thing kicked in and i'm not really thinking like these are 16 year old boys but um I just turn around. I'm like, you guys are really cool. Um, <laughs> and then Noah was confused. Like Shira and I definitely felt like we were being bullied. Like we were, you know, that age again. And it was this weird mm-hmm. thing where it's like these, these little shitheads um, just, just being teenagers. But uh, Noah was like, what's going on? And we were like, we think they're making fun of us. And she says, I think their parents have failed them. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> just like where did you even learn that idea of of parents failing children i i asked her later i'm like where did you where did you get that concept of of these kids parents having failed them she's like it's just something i thought of so those are notes from the trip so far there hasn't been any more throw up since we arrived and um we're having a great time
For what it's worth, the New Camp family doesn't take a, a trip unless someone throws up. Like, <laughs> like if it doesn't happen right. early in the trip, I live in fear <laughs> for the moment it will happen. Because I actually, uh, Jeff can correct me, but I do not believe we have ever, like, left home for at least one night, right? So day trips, no problem, where someone has not thrown up. <laughs> the, the record's intact over here, too. <laughs> So, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's just that's just going to be your thing. Yeah, yeah. We've we've just tried everything. We have tried bands, we have tried medic nope, nope. Nothing. If we medicate or band one child, the other child throws up. So, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um I like that Noah's comment was like the ultimate comeback anyway. Like uh <laughs> really put things in perspective. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Elizabeth? What's going on this week? Okay, well, we have had um you know, a triumph, but then if I'm in that phase of the move where you are like, why are we doing this again? Mm -hmm. Um, And just like everything with the kids feels like a fail, right? Because just all of the stability we typically provide is gone. Um, Luckily, my parents had flown out here to help us. But um, Henry had to spend the nights like last week, which we don't really do. He has done them with Michaela's kids, but that feels like like other family, you know, like they'll Mm. stay over there. Those kind of just happen spur of the moment. I'm super weird about spend the nights for a number of reasons. We've talked about that on the show, but one of the moms is a listener of this show. She is also like, don't, doesn't do a lot of spend the nights, but sent me like perhaps the best invitation to a spend the night, which is like, Hey, this is a gift. I really want to give the kids. She's another military spouse knows we're leaving. You know, I think they'd really enjoy this. They were going to camp together. And then was like, I have no guns in the house. These are the only people who are, you know, here. My husband is gone. We know him. My husband is gone. There will be no other visitors coming over. This is like the plan. Like this text of just, you know, she's like, if you have any other <laughs> questions, let me know. Um, so that instantly so just nice. made made me feel, you know, like, okay, this is good. I mean, I sort of thought we they're another homeschooling family that we spend a lot of time with. So I, I knew them, but sort of taking that step to spend the night Henry went, had a wonderful time. They didn't stay up too late. Like all of these things that I worry about, the mom texted me um, after he took his medication because he has these medications he has to take. And that's kind of a big hurdle for me too, is letting go Mm. of that um, control. It was just so lovely. And then a second spend the night was kind of a similar family that he had gone to school in the woods with. Same thing, mom. I had to ask her a bunch of the questions, but was totally upfront, not weirded out by it at all. And when I went to drop him off, did this wonderful thing that I want to kind of adopt, which was like in front of me, said to Henry, if at any time you change your mind and want to go home or feel uncomfortable, we have a house phone here and she had written her my number or you can use my phone and it's here and you can call your mom anytime. Even in the middle of the night, I want you to know that you can call and go home. And I just thought that was such a lovely, like no one is going to try to force you into staying it you don't have to tell me why you want to go home you don't have to tell anyone but it really opened I think it made him feel so much more comfortable to know like if things if I because we talk a lot about like you know getting out of situations even if you just feel you don't feel right and that that's okay I don't know so just like good job to these other lovely moms who Mm-hmm. hosted my kid and also That's gave so nice. him like he got to do something fun instead of being here as we take everything off the walls and just like toys are disappearing and all of these kind of terrible things. I of course feel bad because now I feel like we have these two 
relationships <laughs> where he can do this and we're leaving. Uh, and it will be a long time before like we build that kind of trust and feel safe, you know, in that same way again. But overall, I feel like we gave him this nice time and, and hit this hurdle, which is to spend the night with someone who is not like so intertwined in our family that it, it feels like nothing. Um, and he, he did great and got, you know, wonderful reports about behavior and the things that they chose to do when kind of left alone, <laughs> you know, later at night. Um, I don't know. So that was nice. That's, that's really a, like such a um, perceptive gift to give to you at this moment. Mm-hmm. I know. Good job to these other moms too. I just, I feel so lucky to have people in my life that I don't feel awkward kind of setting those, you know, my boundaries with and, and helping me along that path too. What's going on with you, Jamila? So I have this habit of sleeping on the couch. I put Naima to bed in her bed. I usually lay with her for a while, you know, until she falls asleep. And then I go out into the living room to crash to some television, usually something kind of mindless that I can just fall asleep to. And I just sleep out there. You know, I don't know why I don't want to sleep in my bedroom. I can't understand it. I can't explain it. I mean, sometimes like I'll get up late at night and go into my bedroom or if it's like a Saturday and I'm sleeping in, I may get up like Saturday morning and come get in my bed and sleep there for a few more hours. But for whatever reason, I just sleep on the couch. And so a couple of these last nights that Naima's been here, she has wanted to sleep on the couch too. And uh-huh. like she fought what happens is that we're watching TV and she, you know, brushes her teeth and puts on her pajamas and then like it's impossible to wake her up, you know, like I can't get off the couch, mommy. I'm too tired. I'm too tired. So I'm trying to physically like yeah. lift her to standing, you know. And so I've just given in and like We've been sleeping on the couch. And I know this is crazy. It can't be good for anybody's back. You know, like our couch is long, but it's not like it's really enough space for us. But I mean, I guess there is enough space for us both on there. But I just don't know, like, what am I doing? Like, why is she sleeping on the couch with me? Do Are you, you both sleeping well? Yeah. Uh, she's sleeping better than me. I'm struggling to fall asleep, but I think that's just generally an issue that I have. How many nights a week are we talking? Are you are you on the couch? Um, I'm on the couch pretty much every night. And the couch is much less comfortable with Naima there. Like <laughs> she ends up taking the big part of it. And I'm kind of like in the corner, you know, all curled up. I don't. Do you, do you want to change or no? <laughs> I kind of want it back to myself so I can really relax. Okay, so you know? maybe you need to make it really uncomfortable for her so that she mm-hmm. willingly goes back to bed. <laughs> this How is the I passive aggressive response. Make the TV really loud maybe and like something or that like, like can you inch kind of your feet, you know, so it's less comfortable for her? <laughs> Princess I in the Piet, you know, put something under her couch cushions. Maybe. <laughs> That's maybe. it. Put some peas down there. I mean, what would happen if you're like, "I'm sorry, honey. I love you, but Couch is mama's spot. I don't know. Naima doesn't take well to not sharing. <laughs> everything that's mine is hers. Everything uh-huh. that's hers is hers. Um, <laughs> but I think what I will just have to do is catch her before she gets sleepy enough and put her in the bed. Do you think the draw is more like it's what you do and what you do 
as much as she probably doesn't or does admit she just it want anymore. To be with it's you. cool, right? <laughs> I think it might be that she wants to be with me. Yeah. So what if it. you move for that time and she moved with you, then maybe you'd have the couch back. Mm-hmm. Maybe. This yeah, is, do it's some, funny. You have though. to run some experiments. I mean, it's not funny for you, but it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take another quick break. See you back here for our listener question. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We're back. Let's hear today's listener question. As a reminder, this letter writer is talking about sexual assault and PTSD. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, mom and dad are fighting. This question is difficult to ask even in writing, but I feel like I can't navigate this on my own, so I would appreciate your thoughts. I was sexually abused by a relative as a child and suffered from PTSD. A few months ago, my daughter reached the age that I was when the abuse began, and as a result, the symptoms have worsened. And while I'm in therapy and I'm receiving the support that I need, it's become increasingly difficult to manage my feelings around my kids. I find myself sometimes losing my temper with them over the smallest things, crying with no apparent reason, and sometimes too tired to play with them when they want to spend time with me after school, and I have a difficult time staying engaged when they talk to me. My daughter is six and my son is 10, and while they haven't explicitly asked what is going on with me, I feel I need to give some explanation as to why I'm having a harder time being the mom they deserve while I deal with this trigger. On the other hand, I'm afraid to burden them too much with my pain and don't want to make them think the world is a scary and dangerous place. Would greatly appreciate any advice on how to approach this topic in an age-appropriate way. Thanks, hiding my story. Wow. Okay, Elizabeth, what do you think? Oh, gosh. Well, first, I like kudos to you for for really thinking about these things and and, you know, 
being in therapy, writing to us, hopefully talking to friends about this, because I think that is such a big step. I think that this is something that you should specifically talk to your therapist about in the context of coming up with a plan about how you want to address this with with your children. And because I don't think this should be something that you just decide to do. I think this has to be something that you consider like, are you emotionally ready to do this, right? You're feeling pressured to do this because your behavior has changed and you feel like you owe them some kind of explanation, which I think is like a very normal thing. Like I want them to understand that it's not about them, it's about me. But like, are you emotionally ready to open this with your children? Are you doing it because it's in their best interest and will serve them or because you are you are trying to alleviate something of your own? I think those are things to consider. I think then you can come up with a plan not only about what you would say, but I I believe that when you do this, at, at whatever point you decide to do this, now or later, there are going to be triggers associated with talking about it. And you need to know what your coping plan is in that moment. Like, does this conversation need to happen with another adult present? Because it may become that in the middle of the conversation, it's too much for you, right? Who is that trusted adult? Is this done in some kind of family therapy? Is there a friend that has the kind of relationship that can be there as your support? Even if you're just saying, you know, very basic information that's sort of like, I'm having a lot of emotions because something, you know, traumatic in my past happened around this age. Like, do you need to have someone with you because that is going to open all these other things? In general, when talking to kids, I think it is best to share what's necessary and no more and let them come to you with other questions. But that means that you need to be prepared and know what those boundaries are. There may be parts of your story that you decide you never are going to share with them, and I think that's okay. Like, But you need to assess what that is and put those boundaries in place with yourself before you open the door. I think the other thing is to understand that once you have this conversation, it's not going to be over. This is a door that will forever be open. And I think there are very good things about that. But there are also very bad things about that. And and so taking stock of this in, in totality, and figuring out, and I think this should be done with a therapist, when this conversation is healthy for you, so that you can continue to be their mother, as you have this conversation. Yeah, I mean, this is such a such a complex one. And I am so not a therapist. And, you know, so frankly, I don't know what I'm talking about for real. I'm curious, the degree to which like, are you able to have a conversation with especially your older kid about sexual assault without talking about your sexual assault? Because like, you know, talking to your kids about everything from like the names of your body parts, which is like some the conversation we have at our house to like, you know, saying no, like those types of things. Like, are you able to do that? And is there a way in which like that is in a kind of like safety way, like without, without opening the door to your own personal experience? And and if, if the answer is yes to that, like, does that help at all? Or is it, is like the whole 
the whole territory of sexual abuse, the whole topic, is it just in, so fraught that talking about it at all right now, you're, you're kind of stuck on them. I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah, I agree with both of you in terms of what Elizabeth said, that you should talk to your therapist about a plan for just how and what you're going to disclose to your children um, about what took place and what sort of language you're going to use to talk to them. And as Zach said, I think both your children are old enough to have a conversation about bodily autonomy and, you know, good touch, bad touch. And making sure that they know that if anybody tries anything inappropriate with them, that they're to report it right away. In the meantime, I suppose, before you kind of figure things out with your therapist, if you're having one of those moments where you're crying or, you know, you're having a hard time staying engaged when they're trying to talk to you, you know, let your kids know mommy's having a hard time. And that sometimes mommies have bad days too, that you're dealing with something upsetting and it has nothing to do with them. You're just dealing with some sad feelings and you're sorry that, you know, it's impacting your mood um, and how you're interacting with them, but that you love them very much, that they haven't done anything wrong and that you're working to do your best to get through this. I think that's such good advice, like almost dealing with what I would call these like the symptoms of, of this trigger can be dealt with almost separately in the sense of like giving yourself that grace. And I really do think children accept a lot when you say something like, you know, I have had a lot of life before you and some of that is what is causing this and it has nothing to do with you. And like Jamila said, just saying, I love you and I'm here for you. What else can you do though? Like, are there other people you can, you know, be plussing up your kids time with to, to pick up some of that, let's say quote unquote, like slack that you feel like you're leaving behind because it's okay that you can't fill that right now. And I think what you can do is just make sure that there are things in place so that they feel loved, you know, and appreciated and giving them the opportunity to, to say like, I feel angry because you're not here for us. It's like, I completely get that. I I think expressing your understanding that what you're processing also has outcomes for them. And not that you need to take that on to you, but to say, yes, I I am unable right now to be, you know, as present as I was. And I do feel bad about that. But how can I help you in, in that other way? Is there a, you know, I don't, I don't know another trusted adult. Are there friends that you can try to have some extra time with? Like, what are you capable of doing? Do you, do you need to have them in camp or can you get some kind of other caregiver? Like I think there are these other community resources out there so that you don't feel like you have to be, you know, the person you are when you're not triggered and the person you are when you are triggered, like both of those are valid experiences and you're going to have to go through that. So how do you meet these other needs a different way so that you're not carrying the burden? Cause what I read from this is like, not only is, is, you know, this person going through the PTSD, but now they also feel bad as a mother as a as a result of that. And I think like none of us want you to feel that way. Do either of you know of any good? Did you, have you used any books to introduce these these topics or themes to your kids of sexual assault? 
so I'd say we've we've mostly stuck with like books talking about the body yeah. and have talked about this idea of like tricky adults or tricky people. Uh, a lot of talk about secret keeping, like that secret keeping is not something we do. What's the difference between a secret and a surprise? Um, to always be thinking about like, why would an adult be asking you to keep something from us, right? Is it because grandma's planning a party and she doesn't want to ruin the surprise? Or is it because if you told me someone would be in trouble or someone would feel bad? And I think trying to re-up that like, we will never be mad and then, and then living this out, right? We will never be mad if you tell us something that feels really uncomfortable, being able to kind of keep your your anger at bay. So I think we've done that more than like a book that specifically a- addressed this. Although I'm sure they're out there. Rain recommends a book called A Kid's Book About Sexual Abuse. It says some of the most difficult things to talk about are also the most important. Sexual abuse happens more often than people realize but most kids don't learn about it until after it happens this book will help give them the language to understand what sexual abuse is and start a conversation around owning their bodies and trusting their instincts Um, we can link to that in the show notes there's there i have found on the organization called creating a family which appears to be like a foster and adoption but they have an entire list of books children's books about abuse and trauma i haven't checked any of these are but um Titles are things like, do you have a secret? A terrible thing happened once I was very, very scared. So they're, they're definitely out there, of course. Again, this is something like I think you should preview or a trusted adult should preview or your therapist should preview. Yeah. Well, Hiding My Story, thank you so much for writing to us. And we're wishing you all the best. Um, if any other listeners have advice for her, you can always share it at at slate.com or by leaving us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. And if you or someone you know needs help, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is reachable 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call 1-800-656-4673 to talk to someone or chat online and access other resources at rain, R-A-I-N-N dot org. We'll also have a link in the show notes as well. That is our show for the week. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review and tell your friends. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson, Mara Curry, and Tori Dominguez. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thanks for listening.